0: We're, uh, we're continuing our, our series, Gifted, today. Uh, we've been looking at uh, spiritual gifts, as uh, Doug mentioned in his prayer. Um, whether you know it or not, the moment that you believe in Jesus, uh, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in or with you. and in, And part of that that thing that, that the Holy Spirit does, is gives you gifts. Some of these gifts you might have had before uh, you became a Christian, you, uh, and, and, and maybe some of them you haven't. But either way, you have been uh, made special so that you can help build up the church. Okay? That's why God gives these gifts, is so that we can build up the church together. We can bless each other. Uh, and so today we're going to be looking um, at the gift of, of teaching. And so let's, uh, let's, look at let's uh, read our, our theme uh, passage, and then we'll uh, jump into what teaching is and, and some of the dangers. And actually, uh, hopefully, some of you will be inspired to get in the teaching game and, uh, and do that. So let's read this. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But be reasonable, each according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned. For as in one body... We have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we're members of one another. So everyone's got a gift. The gifts are different. Uh, there's no like hierarchy. There's no better gifts or worse gifts, but everybody has to, to pitch in with, uh, with a gift that you have. And going on, Paul lists some of these gifts. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in service, the teacher in teaching, the encourager in encouragement, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the merciful in cheerfulness. When I was uh, somewhere between the ages of three and five, um, an odd thing was taking place where my parents would put me to bed and then when they came to get me in the morning, I would be under the bed. Um, at some point during the night, I had crawled out and, and, and got underneath the bed and just slept on the floor. And uh, my mom was like, well, if, if we wanted you to sleep on the floor, we wouldn't have bought you a bed. Like, come on, kid, what's going on? Well, it turns out uh, at the time I was a big fan of the Smurfs. Uh, if you remember the Smurfs. Um it was uh, these little blue gnomes, magical blue gnomes, uh would do things, and then there was this this evil wizard, Gargamel, and Gargamel's like mission in life was to eat the Smurfs, I think. I think he was trying to eat them. Um it's been a long time, but I'm pretty sure that was the deal. And uh my parents, because they loved me and because they, they know that I like the Smurfs, they got me Smurf bedding. So I was I was and that's why they were so bummed. They were like, dude, you have this awesome Smurf bed. With your favorite blue gnomes, why are you getting out of bed and going underneath uh, and sleeping there? And it turned out that what happened was the comforter had a picture of Gargamel on it. Like I don't know why they wouldn't put more Smurfs on, but apparently there was a, this evil wizard was on this on on the and and I it was it got dark right and as it was getting dark, the last thing I I saw was was this evil wizard on my bed and I was terrified and so I went under the bed to to be safe. Thanks, Mom. Terrorizing, terrorizing, terrorizing your young child. It's good. So I'll talk to, I'll talk to my therapist. This is my therapy. Um, one of the interesting things about people, humans, is we, uh, we man, the dark is a scary thing. Um, and whether it's Gargamel, uh, you know, as, as the lights go down, um, or just if you remember when you were a kid and you would see like you know your desk chair looked like a monster right and and, and it was terrifying and what you really wanted what you really need and the, one of the greatest inventions in human history in my opinion is the nightlight. The nightlight is like I mean it's it's a game changer, uh, because it, it's it's not huge it's not overwhelming it doesn't flood everything with light but it creates enough light enough enough uh, luminosity for you to see there really aren't any monsters. Gargamel's not actually coming to get you, right? You're, you're, you're able to see the, not everything, but enough. And I think that's actually uh, kind of the way the New Testament thinks about Teachers. Teachers are people who shed just enough light to push back the darkness. It's no coincidence that Jesus calls himself the light of the world. And we're not Jesus. We don't, we, he, he has the full light. He illuminates everything. But we teachers, we, we have a, a gift uh, from Jesus to, to do a little bit of that. To be a little bit of a nightlight in a very dark, confusing world. The latest uh, Pew research indicates that only 7% of Americans have a great deal of trust in uh, mass media, in, in news presenters. 7%. 28% uh, have a little bit of trust in, in uh, media, the, the people that come on our screens and tell us uh, what what is true and what is not. And as a result, we are living in a, a time where... Uh, where we don't know what's what, we we are like kids um, in the shadows, and and it's hard to tell if there's a monster there or not. What's going on around? And so I think probably one of the biggest needs in the world right now are teachers nightlights that we can depend on, nightlights that have credibility. But how does that happen? It's kind of an overlooked part of the New Testament, but uh, it comes out really well in, uh, in the, the series The Chosen, if you've seen it. Uh, in the, the series, The Chosen kind of focuses on Jesus' followers. Jesus is like a central character, but so much of what happens is, is, is kind of their reaction, their, the way that they respond to who Jesus is and what he, what he does. And uh, one of the things that you see is that there's this really, really tight community around Jesus. And that's because Jesus is a tr- in the tradition of the Jewish rabbis. Jewish rabbis didn't just walk around and say, this is the truth. Actually, what Jewish rabbis did is that they had people who followed them wherever they went. And, and they, would, they would live with them. They would do, do life together. I think I have a picture here of them the, around the campfire. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a telling shot because they're, they're sharing their lives. And Jesus is kind of the center of that community. He's the center. He's uh, the, the the thing around which everybody gathers. But he, what he's doing is he's not just telling them what's what. He's not just shedding a, a light on, on, a, on a dark world. He's also doing it with them. He's living with them. He's calling them not just to listen to him, but to follow him and to do life with him. And so people who otherwise would have been skeptical about who God is and what Jesus is about come to a place in life where they trust This man. And so nightlights, one of the biggest things that we miss, uh, it's really difficult for us with nightlights, we don't understand how important credibility is. Trust is. And the way that we develop trust is not by having cute stories about Gargamel. The way we can develop trust is by doing life with the people that we're teaching. You may know a ton of stuff but if you're not with people, if you don't have that relationship, you're just extending the crisis of trust. And that's the first thing in your note sheets. Nightlights earn the trust of the people by doing life together. It is very, very important that we have dinner together. It is very, very important that we spend time Talking to each other before and after church. It's very, very important that we become a part of a community and not just watchers. Because if that's how we live, we're just another person saying what they feel and think. Now, uh, nightlights. What, what what is it that we're actually trying to accomplish? Um, one of the coolest things about uh, the New Testament is the, the Sermon on the Mount. So it's chapters 5, Matthew 5 through 7. It's Jesus' like greatest uh, teaching. right? It's, it, so basically he gathers a bunch of crowds and he starts to speak. And it says he taught them. And then I, I've just highlighted a few of the things that he taught. And, I, and let's not worry too much about the content of these teachings. Let's look at how Jesus frames what he's doing. Okay, What does Jesus think he's doing when he acts as a teacher or a nightlight? Uh, check this out. Look at what he said. You have heard it was said. You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Ugh. Every man is ashamed. It's okay. There's grace. But notice what, notice what he's doing. He's like, he's like hey, you, you've heard this is what people say, right? And it's actually derived from the the First Testament, the Old Testament, right? It's one of the Ten Commandments, don't commit adultery. And and that's kind of in the air that people breathe, right? That's what's been said. That's kind of the stuff. But Jesus says, but wait, I say this. You've heard it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Hey, you want justice in the world? We'll make sure we punish criminals in proportion to what they've done, right? So if a criminal cuts someone's arm off, you cut his arm off. That seems like a workable way. But Jesus says, You've heard that, it's in the air. Wait, I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. I mean, what is he inviting us to, to be abused? That's a really tough teaching. How often have you really tried to live this way, to love um, or, or not resist evil when, it, when it's right in front of you and attacking you? That's, that's really hard to do. But Jesus says, you've, you've been in the world. The conventional wisdom says, do this. I say the conventional wisdom is a lie. Here's another one. You've heard, it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say... Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The conventional wisdom, what works, what you hear in the world, what we're saturated with all of the time is, is, yeah, the people that are on your side, love them. But if they're against you, punish them, fight them, hate them. But I say that's a lie. I say that that's, that's something that's covering up your eyes. There's another world out there, a world that I'm, showing you, I'm illuminating uh, to you, and, and that world is utterly different. And so the real question, what, what nightlights are doing, what Jesus is doing, he's saying, you think all this stuff. You believe all this stuff. It, it's what you, you hear on the radio. It's what you s- hear on the radio. Mm-hmm. The, no one's used a radio in like 15 years. What you hear on Spotify... Uh, uh, what Joe Rogan says on Spotify, uh, what you see on your screens uh, and your phones, um, that, that's, that's, that's this reality that's created for you. I'm telling you, that reality is a lie. Teachers, nightlights, we are called, gifted to, to tear back the veil. One of my all time favorites, of course, is the Matrix. Um, and if you haven't seen the movie, it's fascinating in a lot of different ways. Also, by the way, they really ruined that, that franchise. Does anyone see the, try to watch the fourth one? It just came out in December. It is so bad. It is so horribly bad. I, I, like, I almost, I love my TV more than anything in the world, but I almost threw my shoe at it. Cause I was like, I can't, you're, no. Also, I should never watch HBO Max ever again. What a waste. Anyway. I don't pay for it. My buddy gave me his login, but still, it's garbage. <laughs> In the first Matrix, uh, there's this guy, Thomas Anderson, and he lives a bull, a boring, dull, uh, uneventful life. And he's he's convinced there's something more out there. That that what the the reality that he's a part of, what he perceives day to day, there's something wrong. It can't really just be this, right? And so he goes on a search, and he comes across this, uh, this, this hacker named Morpheus. And, and Morpheus, through a bunch of different adventures, uh, comes to him, and, he, and, he, and he's like, look, here's, here it is. I, I have two, two pills here. I've got a, a red pill and a blue pill. And Morpheus says, here's the deal. If you take the blue pill, everything's going to go back to normal. You're going to wake up. It's going to be the same life you've always lived. You're, you're going to stop having these. It's just, we're going back to the way the conventional wisdom. We're going to see the world the way we've always seen it. However, if you take the red pill, you're going to see just how far down the rabbit hole goes. And so Neil's like, oh, the truth, I want that. And so he starts to grab the red pill. Morpheus pulls it back. He says, listen, I'm only offering you the truth not offering to make you comfortable. I'm not offering to to make you happy. I'm offering you the real world. And when Neo takes the red pill, he finds out how bad the real world is. He finds out that the real world is filled with things that are difficult and challenging and scary and life-threatening. He finds out that the real world is not the world maybe that he wants. He finds out that the real world is going to cost him something. This is exactly what nightlights are called to do. It's we're called to not to tell the truth. Right? To tell the truth. And the the thing that's awful about the truth is it's not comfortable. It calls us to things that are difficult and challenging and life threatening. It causes us to open our eyes to a reality that is not easy. When Jesus says, You've heard eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, I say, Don't resist an evil. That's a hard truth. That is a hard way to live. And yet, that's the reality that's actually out there. Jesus says, if you live this way, if you begin to, to follow me and do uh, the, 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 life the way I ask you to do it, you're going to realize in the end that you're embracing something that's, that's full, that's, that's thriving, that's, that's incredible. But to get there, you're going to have to wade through the desert of the real. And nightlights, this is hard for us. I, let, me, let me be honest. I want you to enjoy <laughs> what's happening right now. Right? I don't want you to, like, like, oh, church. I want you to, 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 to come away inspired and, and filled in those things. And so there's a, a temptation as a teacher to, to just blue pill you. You know, just throw out the blue pills. Things that make you feel good. Things that make you happy. But nightlights, we're not called to that. What we're called to do is to hand out the red pill. And sometimes the red pill is tough to swallow. Sometimes what Jesus calls us to, sometimes what God has actually deemed is, is, is hard for us. And so if all that you're experiencing from a teacher is having your ears tickled, if that's the only thing that's happening, uh, that teacher is, is off off. That teacher is not a nightlight. That teacher is keeping you in the dark. That's the next thing here. your cheats. Nightlights always offer the red pill. I can't guarantee you like it, that you'll like it, but I promise you that as far as I can tell, it's true. We talked about that, that crisis of authority, you know, like people don't trust newscasters and people don't trust uh, leader guys either. Um, Ministers, uh, for a long time, ministers and priests and that sort of thing, they had very high credibility um, in American culture. That has changed. Uh, Most people are very, very skeptical of teachers, of religious teachers. So the question is, you know, I can, I can do life with you, but, but how do we make sure, how do we make sure that, that, that the, the credibility isn't misplaced? How do we make sure that I'm not—and you, nightlights, when you decide to teach and, and to be involved in people's lives, how do you make sure that you're on the level— well, Jesus says this in Matthew twenty-eight, the Great Commission. Uh, most of the time, we focus on the uh, the baptizing and and making disciples, but but focus on this for a second. Jesus says what? He says, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I am." The buck stops here. That's a pretty big claim to make. Jesus says, "Okay, so since the, the authority is mine." I want you to go and make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And listen to this and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teach them, be a nightlight, expose to them everything I have commanded. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. All right, man. I, I'm really, really starting to get irritated uh, when I hear um, the following. I, and the thing is, I'm a, I think I thought, I'm pretty sure, I'm a huge fan of science. But the thing is, I know that what science actually is, and I tell this to my children, science, what, what it is, is it's, a, it's a, a method, a process we have for eliminating things that are False. That's what, it, that's what science is good for. It, it, it doesn't... All it does is it says, this cannot be true. Right? We've, we've shown, the evidence shows, this is not the case. That's what science is. Somehow, somewhere along the line, people forgot that. And now science is like this magical fairy that like, we just say, oh, that magical fairy, I guess it's the captain of science. Whoever the captain of science is in the world, that's the guy that, he just says whatever he says and that's the truth. That's what we believe. I think that's, I mean, honestly, when I hear people talk about it, I think that's how it sounds. And I'm like, what is going on here? What's going on is that people in this culture have completely abandoned God. And you need God, and so they've come up with science as like a way to, you know, replace God. And it's not that science doesn't do amazing things. We wouldn't have, you know, lights and sound and, you know, spaceships and all those things that we, we wouldn't have any of that if there weren't for the scientific method and empirical evidence and all that. And so I, yes, I'm signed up for that. Uh, but we, we, we've come to a place where we're so lacking in any credible basis for authority that we just randomly, I don't know, Neil deGrasse, what's his name? Neil deGrasse Tyson? Tyson. Tyson. I mean, come on, man. Like, really? You're the arbiter? I, I think he's like an astronomer. And, he, and suddenly he's the one who can tell us everything that's true? That's crazy. But science, you know, science still science still has a, a high credibility rating, uh, and Americans Americans still do trust scientists. Um, but we've seem to seem to have forgotten that scientists are people like us with, you know, proclivities and desires and and they're not always on the level. They they, they have egos, things like that. So who do you trust? Because scientists are supposed to be nightlights, aren't they? That's what they're there for, right? They're there to tell us what the world is like, and that's, you know, that's their job. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. And disciples, nightlights, here's what I want you to do. I want you to teach people to obey everything I've commanded you. Unfortunately, uh, Jesus isn't here. He's at the right hand of the Father. He said that right before he ascended to the Father. And the people that were there, the disciples, they, they heard his words, they wrote them down, um, they, they, they preached them everywhere they went, uh, and, and now we have uh, the, all, uh, a huge record of everything that Jesus did and said. Not everything, but a lot. Nightlights. Everything you do, has to be able to be boiled down to being based in Scripture, the Bible. I have nothing if I don't have it built on scripture That's our only access. That's our access point to what's true about the universe, about God, about each other. That's the—the the, the scripture is where we, we find what it looks like to be red-pilled and to have the veil, you know, dropped. That's—if we have not scripture, we have nothing. And we'll be running around just, I believe in this, I believe in that. What was the quote? Um, uh, Once you stop believing in God, you'll believe in anything. Right? Once, once, you, once you lose this, this, this solid rock upon which you can build your, build your house, it's just sinking sand as far as you go. Nightlights, I, I ask you, please, every bit of energy that you can uh, to, to, towards Scripture, to, to diving into the Bible, to, to understand it at the deepest possible level, that is the hope of the world right now, and it is the only way that we can get out of the mess that we're in. So, Coast Bible Church, uh, Bible is the middle of our name. We have uh, three core values, uh, Bible, grace, and family. Bible, grace, and family. It's, it's, an, it's an astonishing thing, but the, the, the Word of God, which for 2,000 years has been really, really effective in uh, making people's lives the way they ought to be, that, that right there is being swept aside. It's hate speech. Did you know that? What, what, what would happen, what would happen if all of the people who have this gift of, of making a little bit of light, exposing what's going on, tearing back the veil, uh, offering the red pill, what would happen if those of us with that gift who were called to that were, were just, just soaked, soaked, in everything in Scripture, from the beginning to the end, and wrestling with the tensions and the difficulties, and, and, and exposing ourselves to that, and, and, and drinking it like water. What would it be like if people knew the Bible as well as we knew the last episode of Yellowstone? What kind of world would it be when, when, when every bit of, of, of speech that comes out of our mouth is tinged, tinged, dipped, in, in the Word of God, in life-giving truth, what would happen to our community if, if if the Bible was just was just everything to us again? It kills me. Sometimes people say they're like, "Oh, Tom, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't do Greek and Hebrew." And when you get up there, you make me feel like uh, I I don't understand the Bible. dude. I am so sorry if that's what happens. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. What God God and the Holy Spirit will reveal truth to you if you jump in, if you make the effort, if you soak yourself in it. God's not going to leave. You might not get everything. I don't get everything. Nobody gets everything. Remember, we're night lights. We're not the light. But it, but if you don't have it, if you don't have it like right there if if if, it, if it's just an auxiliary part of life, we are we're, we're sinking sand, friends. We, we don't have a rock. We don't have uh, the, the, the place to stand. We won't know. We'll be swept aside. Believe in this. Believe in that. The only thing that anchors us to the God's eternal truth reliably is the Bible. And so, your job. Our job, nightlights, Lights, is to challenge each other. To get in deep. So that it's not just what Tom says or what whoever says, Rachel says. It's not not that. Instead, it's what God says. And in light of that, we can face this culture that is increasingly hostile to everything we believe and stand for. And if you need help understanding Scripture, you want to figure out how to read better. Uh, first, you can, you can join uh, Bill's CBS group if you're, if you're a dude. Anybody, you can come to me and I will offer some, some tips, some basic guidelines for, for jumping in. But I, I promise you, I promise you, the Bible will take the, the world that you have and we'll just flip it upside down. It, you will be red-pilled in a way that will revolutionize your life, the life of the people around you. And hopefully, The loss that we need to seek and find. So let us recommit night lights and not night lights. Let us recommit right now to teaching Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you so much for the gift of Scripture. We thank you for the light that it shines on our path. God, we thank you for the nightlights in our community. We ask for more people who are reliable, who want to expose the darkness to a little bit of light, to see what's really there, who are willing and unafraid to offer the red pill. And God, may we always be a Bible church. May we stand on your word. May that light bring hope to a dark world. In Jesus' name we pray.